At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. You're listening to the Gospel Community Church Sermons Podcast, where we go through books of the Bible, verse by verse and line by line, to hear the truth that God's Word has to encourage, discipline, and bless us in our daily lives. had the opportunity to meet. My name is Kirk McDonald. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. Uh, and this morning, it is my great privilege to bring to you God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. May he add his blessing to it. Hear the words of the Apostle Paul from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. The Apostle Paul says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood I wish I had time to preach on that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against rulers against authorities against cosmic powers over this present darkness against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places what the apostle Paul has just told us is that we do not exist in a merely physical reality. We exist in an unseen reality, in a spiritual realm, in a spiritual reality. And in that spiritual reality, there is spiritual battle. That's what he's communicating there to us. And so for those who have made Jesus their king, we have entered into a spiritual Battle. So spiritual warfare is not just for the charismatics. Amen? Spiritual warfare is not just for the charismatics. Spiritual warfare is not just for those who consider themselves prayer warriors. Uh, spiritual warfare is not just for the spiritually elite. It is for everyone who names the name of Christ. Anyone who calls himself a Christian has entered into a spiritual battle against the forces of evil. And who is our enemy? Well, again, this passage clearly told us that this text said that we are in a battle with the schemes of the devil. It, it says that we are in a battle against cosmic powers, present darkness in this text, spiritual forces in the heavenly places. So, so listen, church family, Satan and his minions are wise and they are crafty. They have been ruining human lives for thousands of years. They hate the church They hate the family. They hate when you teach your kids the gospel. They don't want you sitting under gospel preaching. Amen. They don't want you connecting with your community group and growing in Christ. Satan and and his minions hate that. They don't want any part of that. And there are cosmic forces now against you trying to stop you from doing those things. Cosmic forces. this This is scary, scary to think of, church family. Now, again, who here this morning, after taking an honest estimation of yourself, feels ready to stand against cosmic forces, present evil, spiritual force? I mean, I can't can't stop falling in my own traps. (laughs) And, And so now I'm being told I need to fight cosmic forces? Anybody feel, feel up to the challenge? I, I can't even get out of my own way. I'm struggling with self-inflicted wounds. I keep falling in my own traps that I set for myself, and now I'm hearing I need to stand against cosmic powers. And the reality is I don't stand a chance. 
and neither do you. You don't stand a chance against Satan and his schemes. You don't stand a chance against cosmic powers and evil forces. You simply do not have in and of yourself what it takes to do this type of battle. But I know someone who does. <laughs> I know someone who has the power that can help us fight these cosmic forces that align against us to stop us from going on our way in our walk with Christ. And his name is Jesus. Again, look back at this text from the Apostle Paul. He tells us, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord. I'm so glad that the text doesn't say, finally, be strong. Because then that turns it back on you. But what he says is be strong in the Lord and in his strength and his might. So, so we can battle against cosmic forces with his power, with his might, and with his strength in the real and present reality, the unseen reality of spiritual warfare, Jesus steps in and gives us the power that we need. Here's the whole sermon. Here it is. Jesus has the power that we need. That, that's it. That's the, that's the whole sermon. Jesus, Jesus has the power that we need. Well, what specifically am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about the power uh, to discern whether or not we are under spiritual attack. That's where we have to begin. Listen to me, because not everything is a spiritual attack. <laughs> is there, so, so I'm saying at the beginning of the sermon, there is such thing as spiritual warfare. We do come under spiritual attack, but not everything is spiritual attack. So, so when you burn your mouth on coffee this morning, you're not casting the demons out of the coffee cup, church family. Not everything is spiritual attack. And so we can, we can err way over here, some Christians do, to where everything, a flat tire, uh, you know, not having a parking space, you know, all of that is demonic activity. We can, we can err way over here, but listen to me, we, we also need not err way over here to, to where we ignore the fact that there is an unseen spiritual reality to, to where when uh, these things are aligning against us, we pretend as if they don't exist or we don't acknowledge it or we don't plead the blood of Christ to, to come and aid us under spiritual attack. We, we, we need not fall in the ditch on either side of the road. Amen? So the power that we receive from Jesus is first then the power to discern whether or not we're actually under spiritual attack. It is also the power to fight the attacks of the enemy, though we are weary, though we feel like we have nothing left to give, though we have no fight in us. The power that comes from Jesus is the fight to fight against that type of spiritual attack. It's, it's the power, the, the power that comes from Jesus, the power that we need under spiritual attack is the power, listen to this, to turn the attack back on the enemy's head. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what the power of Jesus does in our life when we receive power from Jesus when we're under spiritual attack. That power from the Lord then turns that spiritual attack back on the enemy. That's, that's how powerful his powerful is. And ultimately, it is the power to sustain you all the way to the end. It's the power to, even though you are under spiritual attack, even though you feel like you can't go on, even though you feel like you are uh, fading under the pressure of that attack, it's the power that is going to sustain you to the end. The, the Lord promises that no one, no one can snatch them from my hand. And so it's the power to sustain us to the end. And so Jesus has all of the power that we need. And so the question I want to ask you this morning is this. Are you feeling tired? 
I, I don't listen. I don't. I don't mean physically tired. Everyone's physically tired. That that the mantra of our culture is I'm busy, right? We're we're all busy. We're all tired. I'm I'm talking about is your soul weary? I, I'm I'm asking you. Are you feeling crushed and burdened under the weight that you're carrying? The weight of your marriage. You, you feel like I I can't go on. The weight of a sick child, the weight of a family member, a close friend who has gone totally wayward and they're ruining their life and you can do nothing to help, just watch them destroy themselves. And you, you feel wearied and tired under that weight. Jesus has the power that you need. Are you feeling oppressed this morning? Like, like you're, tr- you're just trying to take a few steps forward in your faith with Christ, but, but every time you take that one step forward, you feel like the world, the flesh, and the devil knocks you five steps back. Jesus has the power that you need. Jesus has the power that we need. Or, or maybe this morning as I bring up the subject of spiritual warfare, you just feel totally indifferent. Like that's just not, that's not even on your radar, th- thinking about, spiritual attack and that uh, it's just you you feel indifferent to it or or maybe unaware listen to me Jesus has the power to open your eyes to see this unseen reality and he has the power to bring you into this kind of fight Jesus has the power that we need okay I need to give us an outline so we can get through this text today let me give it to you and then we will work our way through it first we're going to see Jesus' power. That is the power that we need. Amen. Jesus' power demonstrated and then disputed. He demonstrates his power, and then, then there's this dispute about the source where, where this power comes from. Secondly, Jesus' power in a conditional statement. That is, if this, then this. Jesus displays his power in, in this kind of conditional statement. Thirdly, Jesus' power, unstoppable. Unstoppable and demanding. There's a a demand attached to this power, this unstoppable power from Jesus. Fourthly, Jesus' power, not merely moral reformation. (laughs) That's not all that it is. It's more than that. Fifthly, lastly, Jesus' power transforms hearts. That's what we're going to see. Now, um, a a warning, a warning to us today. I don't know if you listened to the text. Maybe uh, you've read the text several times this week as as you know where we're going in the text. That's the great thing about preaching through books of the Bible. Or or maybe you were just hearing it during the reading of the word. Uh, This text is strange today. Jesus tells an illustration, a parable about demonic activity, about unclean spirits and going through waterless places and returning with eight other demons. It's strange what what Jesus has to tell us today. Uh, And and let me just say uh, from the outset, uh, he's not going to answer all of our questions about demon possession. He's not going to answer all of our questions about spiritual warfare, nor, listen, nor is it my job to do so. So, what, again, by God's grace, 
We preach through books of the Bible, so my job today is to explain the text, not explain what the text doesn't say. Help me today. Okay, so, so we're not going to have all of our questions answered about demon possession. We're not going to have all of our questions answered about spiritual warfare. That is not our job today. Our job is to understand the text, and the point of the text is clear. Jesus has the power that we need. Now, let's get into it first. Y'all ready? First, Jesus' power demonstrated and disputed. Verse 14, let's look at it together. Luke chapter 11, verse 14. Now, he was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the people marveled. You have to understand the brevity at which Luke tells this story. It's not a t- How did he cast out the demon? Uh, what, what was the surrounding? Uh, where were they at? Who was there? What did he say? What, what's going on? It's just Jesus was there, cast out the demon, people marveled. Done. Okay. The reason is he's not giving a lot of detail because Jesus casting out the demon isn't the point. So so he tells it with brevity to move us quickly through to show us these reactions and get to uh, this dispute. So his power has been clearly demonstrated in the fact that he cast out the demon. It it, it wasn't difficult for Jesus to do. We've seen him do it tons of times all throughout the the New Testament. He, He casts out demons. It's not difficult for him to do. He does it. And some people marveled. That's a great response at the end of verse 14 there. And, and some of the people marveled. That's a good place to start. But some are going to dispute. Look at verse 15. But some of them said, He cast out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. Now, just a fun side note on Beelzebul. Uh, Beelzebul is a Canaanite pagan god. Um, that they're actually taking that name and, and they've changed it a little bit. The, the name was Baal, B-A-A-L, not B-E-E-L. The, the original name, Baal Zebul, meant Lord of the Dwelling. Right? That's what that pagan Canaanite God's name meant, Lord of the Dwelling. Well, what the Hebrews had done is they had taken that name, switched it around a little bit, so now it no longer meant Lord of the Dwelling. It meant Lord of the Dung or Lord of the Flies. So, so they've taken this name from this pagan god, and they've changed it around to make fun of the god, and, and then they took that name, and now it became a common nickname for Satan himself. So that's what, that's what they're referring to. Now, notice here, they're not denying that he has the power to cast out demons. They didn't say, you didn't cast that demon out. The, the power was undeniable. It was simply undeniable. It was undeniable because there's this man who couldn't speak, and now he's speaking after Jesus had cast his demon out. You can't deny that kind of power, but what they're doing is they're disputing the source, the source of the power and, and saying that it comes from the devil. Verse 16, while others to test him kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. Now, uh, just a little bit more background here. The some and the others, if you look at verse 15 and, and 16, now some of them said, while others said, Matthew and Mark give us this same account, and they tell us who the some and the others are. You guessed it, none other than the scribes and the Pharisees. Okay, So that, that's, that's who we have here, testing him, 
Uh, so, so they're saying that his power comes from Satan. They're asking for another sign. Now, we're, we're going to focus here on his power. We're not going to get to the sign until later. Uh, it, it, you, can, you can let your eyes skip over to verse 29 if you want to in this very chapter where he says the only sign that you guys are going to get is the sign of Jonah. But that's next week's sermon. I can't preach that right now. Now, here's what's happening. Uh, these people are claiming uh, that he has this power from Satan. Now, in our day, there is not a large faction of people who are claiming that Jesus' power actually comes from Satan. I'm sure that there are people somewhere that, that say that, but that's not a common thing that we come across as we preach and proclaim the name of Christ. There's not a lot of people saying, uh, you know, well, he was just demon-possessed, or we, we don't hear that a lot. What we face in our day is a dispute about his power even being relevant being relevant or even universally needed. What we encounter as we proclaim the power of Jesus is, yeah, if that works for you, that's fine. Sure, I'm, I'm sure that makes you feel better about yourself. If that's, if that's what you're engaging in to make you a better person, sure, I have no problem with that. You know, we, we, Christian Southern culture has, has shifted to where the idea used to be, well, you know, good good folk go to church. You know, it's just, it's a good thing to do. If you want to be a good person, go to church. Well, we're, we, we now have shifted away from that to where the, the Southern Christian culture we find ourselves in is, you know, if, if Jesus works for you, if it makes you happy, fine. You know, that, that's, that's where we find ourselves now. It's, it's, a, it's a, a more subtle denying the power of Jesus. And who knows where we will venture off the, the path in the future. But that's where we find ourselves now, a subtle denying of his power. But church family, if you're taking notes, upon Jesus' return, his power will be undeniable. So while, while we are subtly denying his power as it stands now, oh sure, if that works for you. Upon his return, his power will be undeniable. The debate will be over. There will be no more atheists or agnostics at his return. His power will be undeniable. The question is, will that power be working for you to raise you up with him? Or will that power be released against you as his enemy? Secondly, we need to move on. Second, Jesus' power in a conditional statement. So this, the scene has been set. He cast the demon out. People question, where, what is the source of this power? It's coming from Satan, obviously, they say. And so Jesus responds in, in two ways to this accusation. The first response goes like this. But he... Knowing their thoughts, apparently because they were too cowardly to say it to his face, but he knew their thoughts. He said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul. Jesus is saying, your accusation doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that... <laughs> That, that is ridiculous, is what Jesus is saying. Satan and his minions are interested in destroying good, not evil, right? Satan wants to take all of the beautiful things in our lives and in the world and make them ugly. Satan wants to take all of the things that are holy and make them unholy. This is his plan. This is his scheme. His scheme is very straightforward, powerful, but again, very straightforward. And so what Jesus is saying is, you're saying Satan is casting out demons, that, that would be very counterproductive for Satan. 
if, if that is your accusation. He argues that it does not make sense for Satan to attack himself since such an action is inherently self-destructive. Okay, so that's his first counter-argument. His second counter-argument goes like this. And if I, verse 19, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. Now, this is a little bit confusing, and the reason it's a little bit confusing is because we're not 100% clear on who your sons are. So, so we're, not, we're not really sure that the commentators argue back and forth uh, about exactly who your sons are. I'll give you two options. The first option would be the your sons that Jesus is referring to is uh, scribes and Pharisees who actually, um, they, they were experts at exorcism. So when he says your sons, again, we know he's talking to the scribes and the Pharisees. Your sons, meaning the scribes and the Pharisees who are experts at exorcism, they're casting out demons, and you're not saying that they are using the power of Satan. So, so that could be his argument. The, the other your sons might not refer specifically to scribes and Pharisees, but might refer to Jewish people in general who were casting out demons. Don't forget, we just saw him send out, what, the 72, and what did the 72 disciples who were Jewish sons of Israel, what did they do? Well, they cast out demons. Okay, you could, you could go back to uh, look at Luke 10, verse 17, if you wanted to. Either way, no, no matter what you take your son. Y'all still with me? Did I lose anybody? Okay, back, back, here we go. We're back on track. Either way, Jesus' point is this. On what grounds are you saying that when I cast out demons, it's by the power of the devil, and when they do it, it's from the power of God? On, on what grounds are you saying this is, is Jesus' argument. Casting out demons is always good, amen, <laughs> and that power, good power, always comes from God. That's, that's Jesus' two arguments there. But now here's the conditional statement, what we wanted to get to. Here it is. Look at verse 20. But if by the finger of God that I cast out demons, so when he says the finger of God, he, he means the power of God. He means the hand of God. He means the mighty arm of the Lord. It, it, he means the Holy Spirit of God, which is God's power working in the world. Are you all with me? So when he says, if I'm doing this by that power, by the, by the hand of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the mighty arm of the Lord, if I'm casting out demons by the power of God, if, conditional statement, if, then, here it is, then, the kingdom of God has come upon you. <laughs> Is he casting out demons by the finger of God? Yes and amen. That's exactly what Jesus was doing. And so he follows it up by saying, and if that's happening, if that's happening, then, then now clearly the kingdom of God has come upon you. He does not say that the kingdom will eventually come. If I'm, do, if I'm casting out demons here now by the power of God, eventually, at some time in the, in the near distant future, the kingdom of God is going to come among us. That's not what he says at all. He says, if then the kingdom of God has present right here, right now, the kingdom as present reality. Jesus' expulsion of demons means the kingdom is a present reality. Why? Because in God's kingdom, all demons and satanic forces will be expelled. 
in the, in the forever kingdom of God, there is no satanic attack. Go read Revelation 20, y'all. Revelation 20 will blow your mind. It, it is an unbelievable scene of the king of the universe taking Satan and his demons and all those who have rallied around him to battle against light and good and all that is holy. And he takes them and by his very word destroys those armies. They go into the lake of fire forever, locked away, period, paragraph. It, it's an amazing scene. And so because the kingdom, that is a, a description of the kingdom, what is coming, he's saying it's actually here right now. So y'all aren't as excited as I am about this. Listen to me. The kingdom has come. That's what Jesus just said. Here's what it means. The kingdom of come means what will be is breaking through right now. <laughs> what will be, what will be in the future coming kingdom is breaking through in our lives right here, right now. We are seeing it. We are experiencing it. We are a part of it. That is the kingdom of God. And, and we will see and experience the fullness of it at Jesus' second return. What do I mean? Let me give you some examples. I'm so glad you asked. In the future coming kingdom, there will be no sin. And so right here, right now, Jesus is providing us the power to defeat sin. So, so it is the, what the theologians refer to as the already not yet of the kingdom. In the future kingdom, no sin. That, that's, that's what's coming. But here right now in our lives, we're being provided the power to defeat sin. That's the part of the already. How about this? In the coming kingdom, we will be together with God's people worshiping him. That's, that's what's going to be in the future. But what are we doing right here, right now? This is a picture of the coming kingdom. You are experiencing a shadow, a shadow of the kingdom, but we are experiencing it nonetheless now. The kingdom has come. This, this is incredible, incredible news. How about this? In the coming kingdom, just one more because y'all asked. In the coming kingdom, there will be no widows and orphans. And so as we, as we adopt children and care for the widow, the kingdom has come. That's a picture of the coming kingdom. The kingdom is here, and we experience it now. We experience it now. Okay, I, I, y'all are, are with me. i got to move on. Okay, now, all that has happened, all, all that coming kingdom has happened through the power of Jesus, and, and, and we are no longer in bondage to, to Satan and demons because his power has come. The kingdom has come. So if you're, if you're taking notes, the kingdom has come, and the power of Jesus has set you free from bondage and welcomed you into a family. These are kingdom realities in your life. This is why Jesus taught us last week to pray, what, your kingdom, your kingdom come. That was last week. That's, that, that's exactly what he's talking about now. Thirdly, third point in our outline, Jesus' power, unstoppable and demanding. Unstoppable and demanding. Now, to, to further... Jesus' description of his power, he is going to employ an illustration or, or a parable. Let's look at it together in verse 21. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. Verse 22. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. <laughs> the, the, the illustration here couldn't be more clear. 
the first strong man is who? Satan. There is a picture of Satan. We've already admitted, we've already said out loud, Satan is powerful. He, he is the first strong man here. Satan is depicted as being fully armed. Satan is depicted as guarding his palace. He has goods. But look at verse 22 again. But when one stronger than he. I, I love that song we sing here. The, the chorus, Phil could probably tell us what it is. The, the chorus goes something like, sin, sin was strong, but Jesus what? You're stronger. We could say, you know what? Yeah, Satan is strong, but Jesus, Jesus is, is stronger. He here is the stronger man who attacks him and takes away his armor. And so did, did you notice, church family, that Jesus is more powerful? He is our God and he is our friend, and it's good to have powerful friends. <laughs> it is good to have powerful friends. Do you notice what happens to the man after he is overpowered? His armor is taken away, meaning Jesus comes and makes Satan defenseless. I love that verse in Matthew 16. Do you remember it? Jesus is talking to Peter, and Peter makes this faith profession. And Jesus says, Peter, on this rock, the rock of faith, I'm going to build my church. And the gates, y'all know it, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What, what, what's so Amazing, you gotta think about this. Are gates an offensive weapon or a defensive weapon? <laughs> so it's not as if we are the ones huddled behind the gates as we are being attacked by Satan, depending on the gates. We, you have to see in that depiction of the gates of hell will not prevail, we are the aggressors with the power of Christ going against evil forces. He gives us the power to attack Satan and demons and their schemes and to push back the kingdom of darkness. That's, that's the depiction here as, as Jesus comes and he, he takes uh, away this, this man's, uh, what he trusted in, his armor. And, and look at that last part in verse 22, and divides his spoils. So not only is, is he taking away his armor, but all of the ground that Satan had gained all of the good, the, the good evil things, if that makes sense, that, that Satan had acquired, all of the victories that Satan might have had in your life, when Jesus comes, he, he takes those spoils back and divides them to us. <laughs> if, you, if you're taking notes, Jesus' power reverses Satan's victories. Jesus' power reverses Satan's victories. I wish I had time to tell 13 stories, but I don't. I'll tell one. The first year of this church, the first year we planted this church, it was about eight months in. Several of the men in the congregation lost their jobs. Here we are, a young, fledgling church. We're trying to get this thing up and off the ground. And several of the men in our church, they just, like, it, it was different reasons, but several. Like, how, you know, I'm thinking, man, how are we going to, how are we going to afford this? How are we going to, we got no resources. After that, several of the children in our church had medical emergencies and were taken to the ER, a couple of them, like right back to back. Several of the children then had, had extended hospital stays. And so we, we, as a leadership team, we started praying and talking and Again, we want to discern. We're not saying that Satan's behind every bush, but it certainly felt like a targeted spiritual attack. And through prayer and discernment, we, we, 
we believe. We're trying to start this gospel movement, and, and Satan is attacking our finances. He's attacking our men. He's attacking our children. And, and, and this is a coordinated spiritual attack against us. Let me tell you, church family, here's, here's what happened. You know those men that lost their jobs? It, here's what happened. They got better ones. <laughs> those men then began to advance in their careers and our giving increased. And by God's grace, he provided financially through those means. The, the children that were sick, they became well. And then what God did is poured out a multitude of children on this church. He increased what Satan tried to take away. And so that is the power of the God that we serve. Jesus' power reverses Satan's victory. It is unstoppable. They're, they're, Satan's coordinated attack had no chance because of the power of Jesus. It, it, was, it was unstoppable. I wish I had time to tell more stories, but I, I got to move on. So it is, it is unstoppable, yes, but it's also demanding. Let's look together at verse 23. Jesus concludes all of that story about the strong man and the stronger man by saying this, Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Jesus is not making a suggestion about following him. It's not just something to consider if you have a little extra time. After all, it might even be helpful to you. On the contrary, he is demanding that we follow him. Because of his power, he will be victorious, and his victory will be decisive. There will be those who stand with him in his victory, and there will be those who die with the defeated. There is no middle ground. Jesus will not allow you to be indifferent about him. This is the land that many people believe that they can be indifferent about Christ. Again, no, no one was standing outside of our building this morning protesting Jesus. No, no one threw rocks at us as we came in today, cursing the name of Jesus. No one did that. You know what they did do? They decided to stay in their beds and be indifferent to Jesus, but Jesus will not allow you to be indifferent to him. He is far too powerful to allow that. He demands you will be with him and stand with him or you stand against him. There is no middle ground. There's no middle ground. Jesus will not allow you to be indifferent to him and his power. There are only two teams. As a point of clarity, he's not saying that everyone who is not a Christian is possessed by a demon. What he is saying is that they do belong to the devil. So choose wisely. Fourthly, fourthly, Jesus' power is not merely moral reformation. Okay, so the, the section of text we've all been waiting for. Here it is. Jesus is going to give us yet again another illustration or story or parable about his power, specifically his power in the life of a believer, what it is and what it isn't. Verse 24, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and finding none, it says, I will return to my house I will return to my house from which I came. Notice there that the spirit is still claiming that person as their house. So it seems as if Jesus is not referring to a demon that he has cast out. He's referring to someone who was possessed by a demon and the demon decided to leave 
that demon left and it goes throughout waterless places. That's strange, but think with me together. Waterless places being uh, places that are barren, places that don't have growth, places that are not full of life. That's where, that's where demons like to be, where, where there is no life, no growth, barrenness. That's why, that's why they go through the waterless places. They, they don't like growth and life, productivity, health. They, they prefer, right? They go through these waterless places, um, and, and then they return. It, it says there again at the end of 24, I will return to my house from which I came. Look at verse 25. And when it comes, it finds the house. Okay, you understand the illustration here. The house is this person's life. It finds the house swept and put in order. Are you getting the picture now? Do you understand what Jesus is saying? Meaning the person's life has been put in order. Meaning the, the person was possessed by a demon. The demon left. And once the demon left, the person went through a moral reformation. They cleaned up their life. They got better. They, they, they figured something out. He's cleaned up his life. How about this? He quit drinking. He, he quit smoking. He quit hanging out with those people. Oh, how about this? Uh, when the demon left, he started his career. Or she got married and had some kids and became a respectable mom. Or she advanced in her career and now she's a respectable businesswoman. They started exercising. They ate right. They got a 401k. They, you know, they put their life together. They swept the house is the illustration that that Jesus is, is saying. And so listen, listen carefully to me, church family. There are many ways to change. There, there are many ways to change. There are many philosophies, many other religions, many other disciplines, which can produce a change in a person's life. And as Christians, we would be foolish not to recognize this and even acknowledge it. Here's what I'm saying. It is possible to put your life in order without Jesus. Meditation, medication, breathing techniques, emotional therapy, those things can be effective. Sure. We would be silly to say the only way to get off of drugs and alcohol is to become a devout Christian, right? Because we know many people who struggle with drugs and alcohol, they get free from that without Jesus. So, so we understand that it is possible to sweep the house. We understand it's possible to go through moral reform. We, we understand that other disciplines can produce change in a person's life. But look at verse 26. Then it goes and brings seven other evil spirits, more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there, and the, la and the last state of that person is worse than the first. I want us to think deeply about what Jesus is saying here. Here's what Jesus is saying. If you use any other power to change other than me, you'll be worse off than before. That, that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I am the only one who can give you the power to change thoroughly and permanently. To say it another way, uh, if you are not possessed by Jesus, you will be possessed by something else. Uh, to, to say it another way, uh, <laughs> here's this. We usually see being possessed as a negative thing, but it's not negative if you're possessed by Jesus. I love the way Tim Keller, Tim Keller says this. 
when we're possessed by anything other than Jesus, it will drive us insane. But to be possessed by Jesus is to be driven into sanity. <laughs> so the problem here is not that the man's life or his house uh, was empty. The, the problem was not that the devil was kicked out. The problem with this man is that the Holy Spirit was not moved in. That's the issue with this man's house. And so cleaning up your life does not pay for the sins that you have committed in your past. Cleaning up your life does not even come close to paying back the debt that you owe God. Cleaning up your life does not earn you into heaven. There is no way to do that. And so if you're, if you're taking notes, Jesus' power is not merely moral reformation, but it is total transformation. <laughs> to continue on with the, with the house metaphor, as Jesus moves in, Jesus moving into the, the house that is your life, he's not doing a little light reno. He, Jesus is not uh, moving a wall or two to really open up the space and let some light in. What Jesus does when he moves into your house, your life, he tears the whole thing down, even below the foundations, and rebuilds the whole thing. That's why Jesus tells Nicodemus that you must be born again. That's why the Apostle Paul says that we're new creations, not lightly remodeled creations. So, so Jesus' power does not merely morally reform us, but it totally transforms us. Okay, fifthly and lastly, Jesus' power transforms hearts. So, so there's Jesus. He's just cast out the demon. He's told these stories and parables demonstrating his power which is why Luke now, it seems a little out of place, but, but you have to understand why, why Luke is putting this here. There's a specific reason. Because he wants us to see what Jesus' power does in the heart of a person. This is verse 27. is a very interesting verse to stumble upon on, on Mother's Day. I promise we didn't plan this, and if you see Jesus' response, you will know this would not be a good text to preach on Mother's Day, but here we are. As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. You did yet understand Jesus powerfully teaching about Satan and demons and his power. And this woman is stirred by what Jesus has to say about the stronger man. And so she shouts out, she's, she's blessing him by, by, by saying this blessing on, on his mother. But he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So cleaning up your house is not evidence that you are saved. So you quit looking at inappropriate websites. That's great. You should do that. But you also need to obey God in every area of life. In every area of life. So in order to keep and obey God's word, in order to do what Jesus is saying here, what needs to happen in us is that we need a new heart. It, it's not just bearing down and obeying the rules. I'm going to do better. I'm going to quit doing this stuff over here that's jamming me up, and I'm going to do this stuff over here, which is going to make me a better person. Jesus says, nope, you need to obey God in every area of your life. It's like, well, how am I going to do that? <laughs> Who in here among us is willing to stand up and say, I... Kirk McDonald, or insert your own name there, 
Obey God in every area of life. Let it be known, let it be written. Well, of course, of course, as, as we even understand the commands of God, they are difficult as they are, but he's not only asking us to obey them, he's asking us to obey them with a heart that wants to obey them. And so how do, how do we have that? Well, we need the power of Jesus to transform our very hearts. Lots of things can change our habits, but only Jesus can change our hearts so thoroughly that not only do we obey God, but we love to do it. Only Jesus and only his power can do that. Here we go. If you're taking notes, true Christianity is not just the willpower to obey, but it's a heart that wants to do it. It's a, it's a heart that says, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just, just to take him at his word. That's, that's the kind of heart that Jesus wants to give. Well, what are we to do with a text like this, church family? Rest in Jesus' power. I ask you at the beginning, are you tired? Are you feeling oppressed? Are you feeling weighed down by the circumstances of your life? Rest in Jesus' power. Are you under spiritual attack? Are you discerning? Are you seeking to discern whether you're under spiritual attack? Rest in Jesus' power. Are you, you know for sure, you're here this morning like, I don't need to discern. I know it. I'm under, I'm, I am seeking to follow hard after Christ and I'm feeling attacked. Rest in Jesus' power. I, I am so exhausted from fighting. I feel that way. Rest in Jesus' power. Rest in Jesus' power. His power will, will take you to the end. Know this, all of us once belonged in Satan's house. Every single person in this room once belonged in Satan's house and we lived under his control. But Jesus, in his might and his power, raided that house. Amen. Jesus has raided that house. Jesus has defeated Satan and he has set us free. We are liberated from Satan's authority and power through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now he extends to us an invitation to live by that power. Ephesians 6.10, yet again, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Jesus has the power that we need. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we thank you for preserving this curious text for us, this text which shows and teaches us something about demons and spiritual attack and spiritual warfare. But Lord, we are grateful that ultimately this text shows us that you have the power that we need. In and of ourself, we cannot battle cosmic forces. We would be crushed. But Lord, you come to live in our house to defeat the strong man because you are the stronger man and give us the power that we need for all of life and holiness and godliness. You give us that power. Help us then today, Lord, to rest in the power which you Thanks for listening. Feel free to share the contents of this podcast, but please do not alter it in any way without permission. 
please like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook or iTunes. Visit gospelcc.com for more content like this. At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. Thanks again and have a blessed day.